everyone, and welcome to this episode of Waynesboro at Work, a podcast where we interview entrepreneurs and business leaders from the Waynesboro area to learn more about the origin stories of their business, the passion for the work they do, and a little bit of everything in between. I'm your host, Brooke Anderson, and I am joined today by Kim Earhart, who is the owner of Klein's Dairy Bar in Waynesboro, Virginia. Welcome to the show, Kim. Hey, thanks so much for having me. Appreciate it. Awesome. Yes. Thank you for being here. So it's, it's hard to believe that anybody that has been in this area for any amount of time would not know what is going on over at Klein's Dairy Bar. And there's certainly a hint in the name of the business, but for anyone listening that might not know, tell me what Klein's Dairy Bar is all about. Sure. We are an ice cream shop. Um, kind of a specialty ice cream shop. We've been a lot, around a long time in the Shenandoah Valley. We were family started in 1943 in the Harrisonburg area, but uh, Klein's Dairy Bar in Waynesboro, um, like all the other locations, we make fresh custard style ice cream every morning at each location. Yes, and that is as delicious as it sounds. <laughs> So that is awesome. And the history is amazing. Like you said, 1943. So definitely just sort of a staple for this area, for sure. How did you get involved in owning a Klein's? The Klein family started it back then um, in the 1970s. Uh, the John Klein passed away and his wife um, ended up selling the business. Um, but she continued to work there and it came into our family, <clears throat> the Earhart family in around 1979. Um, my brother owns that store up in that area. And uh, I ended up working for him uh, when I was only 13 years old. He was only 19. Um, <laughs> and so we've carried on the Klein family tradition. Uh, so they owned it for about 30 some years and we've owned it for 40 some years. Wow, that is impressive for sure. So starting in a family business so young, you mentioned you were 13 years old. What do you think are some of kind of the life lessons that you learned from being involved in a family business at that young age? I got a real appreciation for understanding how things affect the owner um, rather than just working for a, a chain store where your your owner is not present and perhaps the your actions are not directly affecting a, a particular person. Mm -hmm. um, so I really saw uh, how it affected my brother and uh, also um, working for him. And I got to work for Best Klein for many years and she taught both of us a lot. Um, it, it was it just became part of my family and my history. And, um, I just really took a passion for it. Nice. So when it came time to be the owner of a location, what was that process like? Well, I, I did learn a lot from my brother. Um, as I was a teenager growing up under him and working for him, um, I saw how he treated his employees and the passion that he had um, for the product, for the employees, and for the community. Um, I saw his struggles, um, but, but that had a lot of impact on me. I, I, I just kind of adopted his philosophies. You know, really good product, treat your employees well. Um, we have a lot of teenagers that work for us, and so we try to be flexible. Um, 
yeah, and we just uh, try to provide a good value to our customers. We always have, and so did the Klein family. Right, right. So do you think that if you had not kind of gotten started in family business early on that you would have still ended up being um, an entrepreneur? And I ask because, you know, we talk to so many entrepreneurs and it's always fascinating how there's like more than one road, more than one pathway to kind of becoming an entrepreneur. But I'm just curious what your journey you think would have unfolded as. That's a good question. I, I might have still um, done something on my own. I remember as a as a young kid, you know, putting a little flyer up on the wall like uh, Kim for hire, you know, does odd jobs. And uh, also, um, my father was a CPA, a partner at a firm. Um, so you know, he was a business owner, and I and I grew up under that as well. And, and, and actually my sister and I both became CPAs and worked at his firm and then other firms. Um, and for a, a, a short period of time in between opening up uh, Klein's Dairy Bar in Stanton and uh, my college days uh, and my accounting career, I actually did open up my own accounting office in Charlottesville uh, for a short period of time. But uh, the ice cream was calling and I didn't enjoy uh, accounting as much as serving ice cream. So, so yeah, I think, I think maybe I still would have found something to do in terms of being self-employed. Awesome. Um, where do you think that kind of drive comes from? Like when you're a little kid putting up your flyer that says, Hey, you know, hire me to do odd jobs. What do you think it is that kind of sparks that kind of, um, drive? I guess it's a personality thing. Hmm. Um, yeah. And, uh, industrious. Yes. Yep. Yes. Absolutely. So, you know, we've all had over the past uh, two years at this point, kind of a collective experience of dealing with COVID and there's no business that was, that was immune from that. What was the impact of COVID on um, clients? So at the very beginning, um, it was just really uncertainty and um, nervous, like what's going to happen. And uh what was best for the business, the customers, and my employees. Right. Um, just really wasn't sure those first few weeks. Mm -hmm. uh, and closed during the week and was open weekends only um, while I was kind of unsure as to what we should do. And then it became evident very quickly within a couple of weekends that people needed somewhere to go. Mm -hmm. um, and we were packed on the weekends. Um, so then it became evident that, uh, you know, and I had close friends telling me, look, Kim, we need this. It's, it's, uh, it's something enjoyable to go do and a little light in kind of this dark time. And they encouraged me um, and the customers seemed to be really happy coming. So then we embraced it <laughs> and, um, you know, told my employees, those that were nervous about working, uh, you know, they didn't have to come in and some of them chose not to. And those that did choose to come in, we just, we really did the best we could with um, being clean and um, safety measures. And uh, yeah, we just, we made the best of it. And, <laughs> and then after a couple of months, it was just, it was so crazy. And we, we just kind of got in the groove of it and tried to have fun with it. 
Yeah. Yeah. I think you bring up like a good, a good point is, you know, it's interesting how in such uncertain times, like the things that bring us comfort and, you know, certainly, like you said, kind of going to your favorite shop to get some ice cream and, you know, a little bit of that normalcy was just so important to everybody um, and magnified. So it's really cool that you were able to kind of be one of those foundational pillars in the community during such a trying time for everybody. Yes. I was very grateful. Yeah. Yes. So switching gears a little bit from the seriousness of COVID, are you able, and this might be a big reveal for the podcast, but are you able to tell us how do you make the ice cream taste so good? <laughs> what is it? What is there a secret formula? Like what is going on with it? Cause it is always delicious. Oh, thank you. You know, a, a lot of, um, what makes ice cream good is the amount of air that's pumped into ice cream. Oh. Um, of course, of course, it's the quality of the ingredients. Um, if you're using kind of fake flavorings or real fruit or, you know, the good stuff, um, you know, your cream, your amount of butter fat, maybe your sugar quality, if you're doing something less expensive like corn syrup, or if you're using expensive sucrose or good sugar, so all of those, and we've got our own formula that our dairy makes just for Klein's Dairy Bar. So of course we've got really good ingredients, but I'm telling you, the biggest difference you'll find in ice cream um, is air. It's in the industry, wow. in the industry, it's called overrun. And so it's a percentage of what the machine is whipping into the product as it goes through the machine. So most people are only familiar with uh, soft serve machines where you're gonna pull it out um, or going uh, to a shop where they're going to hand scoop and the, and the ice cream was made from a batch freezer machine. Um, and those augers, both of those methods pump a lot of air into it. We use a different machine. It's, it's kind of the frozen custard style of machine that's continuous flow. And I know that sounds kind of technical, but basically as the mix is going through the machine, we make it each morning into big tanks um, and it just doesn't pump much air into it. And that just makes it really smooth, um, makes the ice crystals really small um, and just makes it more velvet on your tongue. Wow. Well, I have learned something new because I had no idea how important air was to the flavor of ice cream, but um, that is really fascinating. My other really burning question is like, who and how do you come up with, like who comes up with and how do you come up with the different flavors that you're going to feature? Cause I'm always looking for the sign to let me know what's, what's being featured. <laughs> sure. So we've had some standards over the decades um, and some fall out of favor over the years oh. um, with, with the generations, uh, you know, you don't see pistachio and butter pecan or butterscotch <laughs> um, around as much anymore as you used to. Um, so we've tried to stay current and we watch trends and we also think about what we might think is good. But of course, over the last few decades, candy inclusions have become really popular. Mm -hmm. um, you know, like an Oreo or uh, cookie dough. Um, yes. So sometimes, you know, like peanut butter Oreo, I found myself really liking our hot peanut butter sauce over um, Oreo ice, well, on top of vanilla ice cream with Oreos. And I finally thought this just needs to be a flavor. <laughs> um, 
my brother's friend told him a couple of years ago, um, cause we had made lemon for a few summers and it had been really popular, but then after a few summers, it wasn't selling as well. And we took it away for several years. And then his friend said to him, Mike, the, you know, lemon ice cream with ginger snaps in it would be really good. And so um, they started making it at Harrisonburg Klein's and I thought they were crazy for a couple of years and I didn't do it. Um, <laughs> and, and then I realized uh, I finally made it up in Stanton and Waynesboro and it is a phenomenon. It's got like this cult following the, uh, I guess the uh, tartness of the ginger um, in that lemon is just, people say it's a really nice combination. So just a, a combination of uh, listening to people around us suggestions on flavors and also trying to watch what national trends are. Mm. Right. Interesting. And it is interesting. And it makes sense that that would change sort of like through the generations. Cause you're right. You know, when I was growing up and went into my grandparents, you know, freezer, it was pistachio and butter pecan and all these things. Right. Um, and I have to say, it's so funny. You say that about the lemon ginger snap, because that is like, I end up just buying the big containers of that because it's so good. Um, so just like one serving is not enough. So I'm a huge fan. I'm one of those cult followers of that flavor for sure. For sure. Nice. Nice. One of, one of my favorite flavors has always been pumpkin. Mm. And, and I can remember um, back in like 1997 when I opened up a shop in Stanton, uh, Klein's, and I uh, was trying to hawk this pumpkin at to like Halloween and Thanksgiving. <laughs> and it was so funny because I remember customers really thinking it did not sound good. And I, I was like, you know, have a sample spoon. Really, I'm telling you, it's my favorite flavor. Try it. So it's interesting how, uh, you know, the the bigger companies and their national marketing influence um, our country uh, because, you know, Starbucks, um, you know, and Dairy Queen and some of the other ones have made pumpkin a phenomenon, right? Everybody loves pumpkin. Now we expect to start getting pumpkin in September. Yeah. Um, so after, so after a few years, I didn't have to beg people to try my pumpkin anymore. Uh, they were just all, all in, you know? Yes. It really is interesting how those trends like take hold. And like you said, suddenly something that people weren't that interested in is like this phenomenon that everybody is clamoring for. So that is really, really interesting. So would you say then pumpkin is your absolute favorite or are there other contenders up there? I love the peppermint. Mm -hmm. Um, yeah, you know, I, sometimes it's whatever it is for the week. Like I, I think I have this one favorite, but then like it may be coming right out of the machine and yeah. it's so fresh and it's like, oh, I forgot how good raspberry was or I forgot how good Oreo is. Um, but uh, yeah, it, and it's funny because uh, those of us that work at the shop, we get kind of tired of black raspberry. Um, but that's what, <laughs> And we make it a lot and we make ourselves purple. And um, <laughs> But that is our number one flavor and our customers over the decades have just uh, loved raspberry. So that's why we make it so much. Okay. Well, very good to know. So anybody listening that hasn't tried the raspberry, that's the next one that should be on your list then. Um, <clears throat> so we talked about, you know, kind of how, you know, um, you, the community came together during COVID around your business and how you kind of employed, you know, teenagers in the community and all of that. 
why is Waynesboro such a wonderful place to have, you know, your business and, and establish that kind of connection with a community? I love Waynesboro. I love the Shenandoah Valley. I think it's just a, a beautiful um, place to live and it's got four seasons. Um, uh, economically, it's a good place to be. It's a great place to raise a family. Um, and people are so friendly um, in this area of the country and again in the Shenandoah Valley. And I feel like we're, um, you know, at rural Virginia, we've got nice medium size, mid-sized towns um, all around us, like maybe 20,000 in population. Right. Um, it's just a really sweet size um, that there's enough to do in the communities um, and they're so, so supportive and friendly. And I don't know, I just so... Uh, so we have shops in Harrisonburg and Stanton, uh, McGackiesville and, uh, and Waynesboro. And I just feel like they're all very similar and they're all great places to have businesses. Um, but specifically Waynesboro, I'm really excited. I mean, I've seen over the last 10 years, um, you know, downtown redeveloping. Um, and I think over the next five to 10 years, it's, it's just going to get even better. I'm very excited about what's happening in Waynesboro. So yeah, it's a great place to have a business. We're growing. Yes, absolutely. Definitely. And in a, and in a good way. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. I think, you know, there is kind of the sweet spot where kind of like you were talking about where there is accessibility and there's like enough support for business, but you still have that quality of life that you find in areas that are, you know, maybe smaller in size. So it kind of is kind of the best of both worlds in a way. I agree. Yeah. So you have, you know, been at this business for a very long time, um, you know, all throughout these many years. What advice would you have for someone that is thinking about starting their own business? What are your words of wisdom um, for those people that might just be starting out? I always tell people to young people to try to get a little experience um, mm. under somebody else. So maybe not go open up your own um, business yet or your own trade or profession. Uh, go work somewhere else for a couple of years um, so that you can learn how to how to do it better. Um, mm. Then um, start find yourself a mentor. It's so great to have a mentor that can help you. Um, there's no sense in trying to, to do it alone. Um, it, it's hard. Uh, it's great to, there's so many people out there that in, enjoy helping and will help to mentor you. Um, then I would say planning, like make sure you plan, um, you know, get your business plan together, figure out your resources, um, find your budget, figure out if it's going to be, is it worth it to sink, uh, you know, your whole life savings into it? Or maybe it's better to Put your money in an investment portfolio. Understand you're going to work hard. Um, and then I would say, make sure you budget for signage and some cash flow. So many times I see uh, small businesses start, and then by the time they start, they have run out of money. And so they can't um, put up a nice professional sign um, and, and also have cash for some daily needs. And then that really hampers their ability to attract customers from the very start. Right. That is such wonderful, practical advice. And 
Absolutely. That, that budgeting is so key. And like you said, like having, having a plan, there are, you know, going into it kind of with, with some thought and intention and planning can save such headaches, you know, down the road eventually. So that's wonderful, practical advice. So, you know, sometimes I talk with entrepreneurs where it might be, you know, a husband and wife team working together. In your case, your brother is, is also um, in the family business. Is there ever any sort of friendly competition amongst you two, or is it more <laughs> of a collaboration? <laughs> yeah, we're both pretty competitive. So, <laughs> and he's, he's a jokester. So we like to rib each other. So yeah, we have some competitive competition, but um, we also collaborate very well and we um, try to present ourselves as sister stores and we do marketing together and uh, we, we always try to stay on the same page, um, at, you know, as we present to customers. Yes, yes. Well, that's that's good to hear because sometimes, you know, being in business in a family business can can be kind of dicey, but also I think it can be just wonderfully like such a wonderful thing as well. Um, you mentioned in your advice for um, other entrepreneurs, you know, the importance of planning, the importance of assessing whether it's worth it to kind of, you know, put your life savings or put a significant amount into the business. Do you remember that process that um, your parents went through when they were acquiring this business or how did that, that handoff kind of come about? Uh, the handoff for my brother, um, he, you know, he worked his jobs and so does I, so did I as a teenager and we had savings that we put up. Um, yep. A little financing, you know, dad helped. Nice. And then from the original family um, to your family, how did that take place? So actually, my father being an accountant, um, I, I was mentioning uh, his client was the owner of Klein's at the time. Okay. Um, in, in between the Klein family and the Earhart's, a gentleman named Sam Fletcher owned it for a couple of years, and he was a tax client of my father. And uh, Sam was, I think, already kind of in retirement age and, you know, uh, Ran it for a few years, but then, you know, didn't want to stick with it. And uh, mm -hmm. he was ready to sell it. So it just was an opportunity that popped up um, that my father had knowledge of. Nice, nice. Yeah, it's interesting how sometimes those paths kind of unfold. Um, so being around, you know, ice cream all the time, you know, sometimes they say there can be too much of a good thing, but are you still... Um, are you still a big ice cream fan or are you at the point where you've done this for so long? You're like, I can refrain from the ice cream. <laughs> I've, you know, growing up, I've never had a, a really big sweet tooth and I've never been a huge ice cream eater. Okay. Um, <laughs> and, you know, I, and I guess also with clients coming into my family at age 12. Um, and then I started when I was 13, I, I never really liked ice cream that much, but Klein's ice cream is a little different um, than other right. ice creams. And so when I do I eat ice cream, it's, it's Klein's, but I, I still don't, still don't eat a whole lot of it. <laughs> gotcha. Okay. All right. So I know that we've talked a lot about community in this episode, and I know that Klein's is a huge supporter of a lot of community causes. So can you tell me a little bit more about why that's important? The community has been so good to us, um, very supportive of our business, um, and it's how we make our living. And um, we are 
just very passionate about being a part of the community community and giving back. Um, you know, it's 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 really a circle. Um, we do try to give a lot to local organizations. Um, we also employ a lot of people in the community and keep the money here. Um, last year, we created um, a community fund through um, the community fund of the Blue Ridge. Um, so, yeah, really, really proud of that um, so that we can help with not just organizations, um, nonprofit organizations who are all doing wonderful work in the community, but also addressing some of our bigger community needs uh, like affordable housing and childcare um, and mental health. Those, those issues are really important to me. And um, yeah, just uh, feel good that we're a local business that, that can help. Yes. Well, you do a wonderful job of that. And it's such a beautiful example of how, you know, a business, yes, you're, you're selling, you know, a product, but um, how business can really come alongside the community and contribute. And it's like a mutually beneficial relationship. You mentioned those three areas of focus um, that are very important to you. Why, why those three specific things? I uh, read a lot about that in the news. Um, you know, we have, I feel like a crisis of that nationwide, not just in our own community, um, just through organizations I'm involved with. And um, yeah, just, just passionate about those things because I, I feel like they're things that affect all of us. And even if they're not affecting us or our families directly, it's affecting us as a community and the people around us. And I just, I care about people. Right. Well, well said. Well, thank you for um, the interview. Thank you for all the great things that are happening um, at Klein's. You know, you know, you have something special. I know when I have friends or family come into town, Klein's is always a destination of like, we need to go get ice cream. Or, you know, it seems like when my friends and I go out to dinner, we always like wrap it up with some ice cream at Klein's. And so it really is the kind of this, this great gathering spot and um, delicious ice cream, of course. But thank you so much for the, the enjoyment and the, and the gathering spot and all the great things you're doing for the community over there at Klein's. Thank you. Thank you very much. And I appreciate y'all too. Just really appreciate the community and am honored uh, that we can be that spot. Awesome. Well, anyone that is listening, if you would like to learn more about businesses in Waynesboro, please visit waynesborobusiness.com. You can also read about Waynesboro entrepreneurs at growwaynesboro.com and be sure to tune in for more episodes of Waynesboro at Work. You can subscribe on Spotify and the Visit Waynesboro YouTube channel. Thank you so much for listening and watching. Tune in next time. And in the meantime, stay safe and be well. Thank you.